Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB and Nicey. Nicey, how are you, mate? How you going, JB? Good, thanks, mate. Good, good. Um, so we are coming off of the round 10, first little taste of the buys. How did you go this week with your scoring? Yeah, not too bad, JB. Uh, 2265 for me this week, which... Uh, wasn't uh, wasn't in the high sort of category that a lot of people uh, tended to get, but uh, after the last few weeks I've had them, I'll uh, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you're scoring over two two, then you're having a good week no matter what. I managed to get twenty four twenty eight myself, so a good week considering my season to date. And I jumped eight k in places, so I'm sitting around the twenty five k mark. But rest assured, nicely, I will reach the ten k mark by the end of the season. I guarantee you that. So. <laughs> Uh, not, I don't not doubt too it. much, <laughs> not too much confidence uh, lost in the the JB camp here. So um, we'll jump straight into the round recap and start with Collingwood versus Western Bulldogs. Collingwood obviously taking the win here, and Brody Grundy. We have to talk about him nicely. 152 Super Coach points. He's dominating the season like we haven't seen a ruckman do for years. No, that's it. He's uh, he's right up there with Gorn now. Him and him and Gorn definitely the the number one and two ruckman of the competition. Uh, had a great weekend again. Had nine kicks, seventeen handballs, uh, the thirty eight hitouts. Um, but also um, importantly, he had twenty one contested possessions. Uh, so that's really really helped his score uh, this week. And he's actually ranked third now uh, in uh, in Supercoach overall for the season. So uh, a good little one to jump on maybe. Uh, Come the end of his buy rounds, if you if you've got a, a ruckman to to upgrade to, yeah, and a decent amount of cash to go with it. So mm. he's having a really good year, and I think someone tweeted out during the week that it's not starting Brody Grundy could be the biggest mistake we've made this Supercoach season. He's been Absolutely. like you said, one of the top five Supercoach players, and no one really expected it. With uh, Cox obviously dulling his influence last season, it has not mm. been the case this season, and a lot of people's second rut choices like Paddy Ryder getting injured early. Uh, Toby Nankivis, who we'll have a chat about later, and even Nick Nat haven't been very overwhelming. So um, big by Grundy and some of that obviously we're going to be looking at very, very closely next season. Uh, Adam Trelaw, the next player on the list here, 133 for this match. Racked up 40 disposals, a couple of marks, five tackles, and a couple of goals as well. Uh, I will talk you through his numbers uh, in a second nicely, but he's putting together a very good season, and I think a lot of people are scared as they were burnt last year. What are your thoughts on Trelaw as a bit of a point of difference this year? Exactly that. He's, he is a point of difference, isn't he? He's, um, I don't know, I, he he definitely burnt me last season, so I'm I'm probably uh, going to to be a little bit wary of him, and my midfield is uh, is sort of set at the moment, so not one that I'll be jumping on. But you know, 133 super coach points this week, like you said, it's uh, it's not uh, yeah, not a bad option. And he's actually ranked uh, fourth in total disposals as well, so he's getting the ball. It's just with Trelaw a case of uh, of how he uses it. Yeah, exactly right. Well said. And he's scored sub tons twice this year. Once was in round one against Hawthorne, and the other one was against St. Kilda last week. So he's been very consistent, exactly what we expected him to be last year, but exactly what he was back in 2016. So uh, someone that's very, very sneaky, has a good buy round as well, being the second one, only mm-hmm. owned by 7% of teams. So someone to definitely look hard at if you're trying to complete your midfield. And I'll pose a question to you later on uh, in the podcast, nicely about a few little point of differences like Adam Trelaw that we might be considering. So we'll yep. move on to the next player, and that is Jeremy Howe. So 
a lot of people got him in this week. Very popular option. Only the 14 disposals. Uh, still got the the characteristic six marks, but wasn't very uh, wasn't very proficient in this game, and not like his usual self. So only putting out the fifty nine, he'll be ripe as soon as he's uh, coming off his buy around. Absolutely, break even now of one hundred and thirty three. So look for him to to drop in price over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly right. And up there, obviously, before this week with your Jimmy Websters and and Jake Lloyds of the world, the the real. Mm. Um, D6 sort of players that we're going to finish our defences with. I think there's a a lot that we can sort of toss up and in, in into the same pile there as as players that we think can get the job done at D6, but we aren't exactly sure if they'll outscore the other D6 options. But mm-hmm. um, he's definitely he's definitely in the mix, and considering he's going to be considerably cheaper in a couple of weeks, could be someone to look out for. So. Uh, we'll move on to the Western Bulldogs team. Toby McLean being his usual self, 33 disposals, 10 tackles. Big game from him, 122 supercoach points. We'll move down the list a little bit. And usually I don't have to move down the list when talking about this man, and it's Jackson McRae, 122 supercoach points off his 30 disposals. Only six of them contested, which is very uncharacteristic. Mm. What are your thoughts on Jackson? Is he having that little lull that we thought he'd eventually have? Is it time to really lick our lips to the ones that don't own him and, and hope we can get him under 800k at some point? For sure, that'd be uh, that would be nice for me. I, I didn't uh, didn't jump on him a couple of weeks ago when he was when he was ripe for the picking. But um, yeah, no, McRae. Hopefully, he's still scoring well. Obviously, 102. You 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 take a ton any any day of the week. But um, yeah, if he can if he can just come down a little bit for us uh, before his buy around, that would be that would be perfect. And I think a few people will be jumping on him, uh, maybe looking to upgrade a Tim Kelly uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, and and jump on McRae. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, he's one of the, well, he's the premier scorer for this season so far. So uh, for good reason that people are looking to jump on his slightly lowered price. Hopefully he doesn't come out and score 180 this week and not move in price at all anyway. But that is to be seen. So Ed Richards in this one, 102 super coach points. If you had him and copped the, the defensive woes that everyone else got this week, you'd be very happy with that score. Um, down the list a little bit here is no that that actually sums up oh Bontepelli sorry I had to scroll I had to scroll for about five <laughs> minutes before I got to Bontepelli forty seven super coach uh, score there nicely what are your thoughts on the Bont if you're one of the eleven percent of teams that own him what are you doing with Bontepelli because this is not acceptable for a premium midfielder. No, I would be jumping off Bontempelli as soon as possible. He's, he's um, 560,000 still, so he's only lost 17k since the start of the season. Uh, he's got a break-even of 170. So I would be looking at jumping off uh, the Bont uh, as soon as possible. And again, look at look at um, upgrading someone because there's just there's so many options in the midfield at the moment. Um, so jump off Bont and um, and jump on maybe McRae if you can. Yeah, that would be a jump in price. Uh, on the mm. flip side there, Nicey, his last three scores before this 47 read 145, 132, and 120. So he's been in really good form, and a lot of people would have been getting him in. This 47, though, if it's something we think is even a small chance of repeating any time during the season, then it's just not something that we could uh, sign up to. And if you're considering trading him in due to his really good buy, then I think this has pretty much put that sour taste in everyone's mouth and and we're really set to avoid him now. So not ideal Absolutely. for Bontepelli owners. 
No, not at all. And he's gone. He's as you said, he's gone sixty three and seventy nine, uh, subpar sort of scores um, during the season. And this this forty seven, uh, as you said, has really left a sour taste in people's mouths. So yeah, I, I'm I'm on the flick bandwagon there. <laughs> Definitely on the flick bandwagon as well here. Uh, we'll move on to the next game: uh, Richmond versus St Kilda. And an unlikely, or not so unlikely hero these days, he's had a good few weeks, but Josh Caddy, uh, 146 super coach points in this one, had the 24 disposals and a lazy six sausages as well. So what are your thoughts on Caddy? Definitely on my watch list as a potential F6, but he's now getting to that price where I really want to be confident in the fact that he can average 100 plus for the rest of the season. And can you be confident in Caddy JB? That's the question. He he seems to he seems to suck us in and and spit us back out. But um, he's had a good couple of weeks. He, there was a lot of talk about Caddy um, at the start of the season that that uh, he'd sort of been a breakout role, play a little bit more midfield time. Um, that hasn't always been the case. But um, six goals is going to help his score. Just remember, he was, he was playing my mob, the Saints. So. Um, <laughs> You know, don't don't expect a a hundred a score of hundred and forty six from him every week. It's uh it's a little bit hit or miss with Caddy, but it's good to see him stringing some some consistent football together. Yeah, definitely, and don't expect a score of one forty six until round eighteen when he versus St Kilda again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. He scored eighty four in rounds one and two, eighty nine in round four, missed round three and five. Since then, he's been very good with a, the, a higher average than we've seen from him in a, a five-week span, probably in his career. But it's just too inconsistent for my liking. He's literally gone ton, sub-ton, ton, sub-ton, ton. So um, not what we want in terms of consistency. And hopefully he strings it together one year because he's obviously got the potential, but not for me this year, far too risky. So we'll move on to Dustin Martin, who is actually yep. bottoming out in price, 105 this week making it back-to-back tons. What are your thoughts on Dusty? Because I, I see a lot of people that own Dusty already contemplating trying to trade him out or, or move him up to a, a more secure premium later on. Is it someone's opportunity to get him in this week considering his obvious, obvious potential? Well, Pistol and I talked about this on the podcast last week a bit, JB, and I, I'm staggered that people are looking at trading him out. Um I understand, uh, you know, not uh, not wanting to bring him in um, earlier in the season when when his scores were were a little bit low. But he's now four hundred eighty-two thousand. If you don't have him in your side, you're not going to get Dusty below five hundred thousand very often. Um, and he tends to go huge in the back half of the season. So I I've had Dusty since the start. I've not ever thought of of jumping off him. He will come good. And if you don't have Dusty, jump on him now while he's cheap. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And that beginning of the season, you were talking about 139 round one, 160 round two, 93 in round three, and then 141 in round four. So really started with a bang and then failed to start, uh, failed to score a ton since then until the last two weeks of 103 and 105. So hopefully we are seeing him lift again and hopefully we see him back in the middle of the ground. So he's obviously been playing a lot up forward, but you're right, 482K for someone of Dusty's talent is really, really too hard to pass up, isn't it? So we'll move on to the next player, and that is uh, Callum Moore. So playing his third game for his career, played two back in 2016, uh, didn't score too well, but put up a 68. So 14 disposals, six marks, and a tackle. 
only had the three behind, so could have had a really big day at the office. I think he's a good chance to hold his spot, but I'm not sure his job security uh, keeps him in the team beyond that. What do you think? Yeah, no, not sure. Just wait and see on Calamore. I wouldn't be trading him uh, in the side until he's on the bubble uh, in his third round that he plays. So just hold off on Calamore at this stage, I think. Yeah, definitely not one to jump on early. Uh, Toby Nankivis owners, he put out 103 this round. Hasn't been the premium option that a lot of people expected him to be. I think nice, and I don't want to don't want to tell your tell you your team for you, but I think he's in your side. What are you thinking of doing with Toby? Because he's made you no money this season, and has a he's got a three round and five round average over a hundred, but he's sitting at a season average of ninety six. So not exactly what we expected. No, not not what we expected from Nank. I, I think I uh, I think my plan was initially that he would get me through to the buy rounds, and he may still yet do that. Um, but with Richmond having their buy in round fourteen, it sort of comes at an awkward time. In that, um, I do yeah yeah I don't know if I want to hold him that long, um, and Grundy just keeps sort of sort of going up and up in price. But it's just it's a really awkward situation to be in at the moment. I think and. And Nank, like I said before, you, you take a ton any day of the week, but, but when there's a player like Grundy there that's just sitting there asking <laughs> to be traded into your side, um, it's, it's very tempting to do so. But as we'll talk about the buy structures coming up uh, in a sec, JB, it's, yeah, it's just at a point where do we want to be trading in a player that we know is going to then miss, miss a week coming up uh, when it's this close to the buy rounds. Yeah, and tough decisions to be made, obviously. So we'll move on mm-hmm. to the St. Kilda side. Jimmy Webster scored 128, and he had, I think he had about 90 around the halftime mark. I think he was in for a very big score. He was in for a, a big co- game, yeah. Yeah, big, big game. You being a St. Kilda fan, uh, Jimmy Webster is the prime mover off of your halfback line now. Uh, Savage looks a little bit sore, even though he's still scoring mm. decently for our Supercoach sides. But Webster's just elite when he gets the ball and, and delivers it onto his uh, teammates' chase. And I don't think you really have a player like him. So what are your thoughts on him maintaining his role and scoring like a premium for the rest of the season? Yeah, Webster's been uh, been impressive, JB. He's, uh, his ball use is elite by foot. Uh, and he's just playing that role off halfback that Dylan Robertson. Uh, does so well for the Saints, but uh, in his absence, Webster's flourishing, and uh, with a low score of 81 for the year, a really good option, and I've actually still got Savage in my side, so he might be might be a good uh, good upgrade option in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, if Savage slows down like he's been doing uh, pretty much for the last month, it's just been a really slow, slowing down process, then it could be an upgrade option from Savage to Webster. Webster's just scoring better almost every game, and looks like his ceiling is just above and beyond Savage's. So crazy to think that Webster and Savage could average uh, above 100 in the same team. So if you're, you've got your doubts over Savage, then switching him to Webster later on, maybe at their buy or something like that, if you've got spare money and spare trades, could be could be the way to go for some people. Um, Logan Austin played his first game for the club. He's priced at around 160k, scored 106 Supercoach, obviously coming from my team, Port Adelaide. And when he was traded across, I had a couple of Saints fans asking if I rated him because he, he wasn't really, didn't get much exposure at the senior level. So um, the, what I saw from Austin when he played for Port was very promising signs. And I'm actually kind of surprised it took him this long to get his uh, senior debut for the Saints. But 106 Supercoach, obviously that's above and beyond what I would expect his ceiling to be. I, I figured him to be around the, the 70 mark at best. 
But if he's going to score like this, if he's in a, a friendly role with the St. Kilda, with Saints obviously getting those rebound 50s a little bit, eight marks as well, um, very, very, very good. Um, and the score of 106, he could be a good cash cow option at 160K. I obviously would not expect him to average anywhere near 100 or even 80, but if he can make that quick, quick cash leading into the buy, um, more so than a Callum Moore, for example, then it could be worth looking at him as an option. No, absolutely, JB. I think uh, Logan Austin will be a good option. We'll just wait and see uh, how he goes this week. I think his job security is quite uh, looking quite good with uh, with Carlisle just being suspended for two weeks. So give him another week, see how he scores, and, and if it's another impressive score, then um, absolutely could be a good cash cow before the buys. Yeah, definitely right. And speaking of good cash cows, Bailey Rice put out a 68 Looked very composed in that back line. And even I, I noticed him roam up a bit. I watched this game closely considering I had to field Bailey Rice due to my in, uh, defensive woes. But he was he was roaming up a bit and, and getting sort of to the back of stoppages. Not like a kick behind, but a hand pass behind stoppages. I was actually getting a couple of contested possessions in and amongst that as well. So ended with seven contested possessions before the game. 19 disposals all up, six marks. And I think he's stamped himself in that side for a good amount of time to come. I think he'll he's earned himself at least another fortnight of bad form. And if he keeps up this good form, then, I mean, who knows how long he could go for. So we'll move on to uh, Jack Billings, who actually put out a 70. How is that? A 70 for Jack. And he's a, I will talk about this earlier on, a downgrade option from Fritch. What would it take from Billings? What would What would you have to see from Billings? for you to consider downgrading to him and putting him at F7 or something like that? I'd have to, I'd have to see a ton, JB. I think that's... I, I need to see something from... I need to see triple triple figures from Billings uh, to keep him in my side. He's come out, as you said, with 70 this week, and my plans were to trade him this week uh, after getting rid of Hibbard uh, finally last week. Um, <laughs> just... Hopefully, uh, was hopefully gonna gonna trade up to Walters this week, but um, I think Billings is probably done and dusted, mate. I I, I don't see the Saints improving, um, and I don't see Billings' form getting uh, any better either. Yep, and you've pretty much said it how it is. He, he doesn't look like his former self, and I I posed the question in a couple of group chats during the the weekend during the Saints game. Was Billings very good and? overachieving last year or is is he really underachieving this year it's gotten to a point where his form doesn't really give way anything because he had such a good end to the season but he's been so poor this season that maybe as a a Saints fan you could shed some light on it but I don't know if he was overachieving last year or or if he's underachieving this year I think he's 100% underachieving this year I think uh, the Saints are really they look they look rattled and they even early on in the season <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they another another player um, to sort of talk about um, to compare with Jack Billings. Billings is copping a lot this year, but but Jack Sinclair. Every time he's gotten the ball this year, he's just looked very indecisive, and it sort of says a lot about the St Kilda side uh, as a whole. They don't they they don't have a problem getting their hands on the ball, but they don't know how to use it. Um, so. I think Billings is, um, yeah, Billings too little too late for me and, and he's not going to feature in my side come next week. Yeah, uh, don't blame you at all. I got rid of him about a month ago as well. So mm. um, Jack Noon's another one in your side that was touted as one of the best kicks in your side but isn't really 
acting like it at the moment and form not great at all. So we could turn this into a, a very depressing and sad St Kilda podcast, but we will move on to the next game, which was Brisbane Lions versus the Swans. And Brisbane made a game of this for the most part. Swans kicked away a little bit late there. But Mitch Robinson, the talking point here, 172 supercoach points from his 26 contested possessions. And that is the definition of a Mitch Robinson game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Definition of a of a POD, JB. Yes, definitely the definition of a POD. And someone that is obviously forward eligible and in a team with a decent buy round being that second one. Not the best buy round, so it's not the first one, but being the second one. And I'll just quickly look up how many teams he's in to date, but I couldn't imagine it'd be many. He ha- I can he's tell you, he's at- in 4% of teams, JB. He's in 8,000 teams. There you so, go. What a point of difference. Very, very much a POD. Yes. One of the biggest PODs you'll probably ever see. But his break-even is 50. Um, I'll run you through his scores uh, today. He scored 83 in round one, 103 in round two, 94 in round four, 102 in round five, 130 in round six, 100 in round seven. Put out back-to-back 70s before going bang and scoring 172 this week. So I don't know if he's that much of an option considering he's putting out 70s as well, but he scored tons in, what, five of his of his eight games so far, five yeah. of his nine games, sorry. That's that's pretty good for a forward. And if you are the type of person who does enjoy a point of difference, he's scored back-to-back 70s before this. His break-even is very, very low, and he's sitting at 490K. That's actually kind of cheap. And got North, Essendon, and GWS to come. So could could be in for a few, uh, few more big scores. So what's the verdict? Do we think Robinson's a good point of difference pick up in our sides, or are we avoiding him? I'm avoiding him, but but it's it's food for thought, JB. <laughs> yeah, definitely is food for thought. Look, if I didn't have my forward line all but locked in, only missing, I think, Robbie Gray and uh, one of Buddy or Mundy, then I'd definitely give him a, a harder look. But I think there are just so many good forwards this year. I uh, haven't even mentioned Menegola and obviously Heaney on the opposing side in this game, that it's difficult to, to sort of go with someone that we don't 100% trust because most of the forwards are 100% trustworthy. So... We'll move on to the next player, and we speak of point of differences. This man didn't start the season very well. Obviously, he was a very, very big talking point during the week last week, and then responded with a 140, and I speak of Dane Beam. So another Brisbane player with a half-decent buy. He's only 490K, like his teammate Mitch Robinson. And I don't know, I, it's something about Dane Beams. I, I had him back when he was playing for Collingwood and he had his breakout season. And since then, I've had a lot of man love for Dane Beams. But his his last four weeks, uh, five weeks, sorry, have been excellent. So he scored 130, then 108. He did score a 63 in there as well, but then 109 and 140 this week. He's obviously got the ceiling of a uber premium. What are your thoughts on Dane Beams? Well, I'm just having a look at his stats here, JB, and it staggers me that after talking about Mitch Robinson being owned by 4% of teams in 8,000 8, teams in total, Dane Beams is only in 2% of teams. So he's owned owned only by 3,600 teams, uh, which is you know obviously almost uh, over 4,000 less than uh, than Mitch Robinson, which which is quite bizarre. But uh, Dane Beams, as you said, didn't start the season very well at all. Low score of 59, um, but had a fantastic game on the weekend with uh, with 18 kicks and 20 handballs. Only the 16 contested possessions, but 
Um, score of 140. That's uh, it's fantastic from Dame Beams, and and another one that's uh, that's sub 500k that could potentially or is potentially an elite midfielder. And do you think him relinquishing the captaincy during the week had any sort of effect on his scoring? I mean, it'd be he'd have obviously a lot lighter shoulders knowing that he's just out there to play football, get his job done, and and go home. So 140 supercoach. Is this something to expect from Dane from now on? Are we, are you thinking that he's turned it around, or is that a bit of a flash in the pan? Do you think? No, I I think that's not. I think that's a fair statement. I think um, you don't often see see you know players relinquishing the captaincy. So uh, mid season that is. So I think it will be a weight off his shoulders, and 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 hopefully his his uh, his form form continues. Yeah, fingers crossed. Obviously, have a lot of love for Beamsy. So. We'll move on to the Sydney side, and Isaac Heaney put up 128. Not much you can say about this guy. He is bottoming out. He's got a very low break even in the 60s. So if you don't have Heaney already, his buy round is round th- uh, 14, so the first away buy round, and you'll get a good four weeks out of him. Uh, you'll miss a lot of price rises in that time if you don't jump on him now. So a 69 break even price at 500k, you probably won't see him for much cheaper, so um, definitely would advocate jumping on Isaac Heaney. Uh, Jake Lloyd's another one, 118 supercoach this game, and is obviously in one of the rarest of forms in the comp. 26 disposals, 6 marks, uh, 10 of those disposals were contested, and only played 79% time of ground. Uh, it was very wet and rainy, I didn't expect Lloyd to ton in this game. Would have been happy with anything over 90, but 118, and he's showing that he's not only a premium defender, but with their run coming up, he could be a top four or five defender for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. Ranked fourth in total kicks there um, for Jake Lloyd, and I brought him in this week, actually, so it was uh, uh, it was a good little return for me um, from Hibbert, even though Hibbert ended up, uh, ended up uh, scoring 90, which, uh, <laughs> which was nice of him to do, but... Um, no, Lloyd, uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic game, really. 80% uh, disposal efficiency, as you say, in the wet, uh, which was uh, a, f- a fantastic game, and, and, uh, and hopefully he just continues on uh, on that path. Yeah, definitely. I think he'll he'll be consistent from now on. If there's anything he's ever been, it's consistent. Hopefully That's it's it. consistently over 100 instead of consistently between 80 and 100, which he yeah. can uh, fall into the trap of doing so. Um, fingers crossed for those who own Lloyd and still has a very low break even. So if you're going to jump on, this is probably the week to do so. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait uh, probably around till uh, around for his uh, buy round. So um, another player from Sydney that we expected big things from uh, this player did the opposite of what Lloyd did, and that's Buddy Franklin. So just the one goal, two in this game, thirteen disposals. We expect him to have a big one. It was very uh, blustery conditions, very wet uh, up in Brisbane. So. I can't say many owners should be mad at Buddy. Uh, maybe if you traded him in, you'd have a bit of resentment. But uh, he should bounce back next week. Again, we mentioned their run. They've got a very favourable one. Um, I expect Buddy to be in the top handful of forwards in the competition to own in Supercoach in the next month. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, he's still in 20% of teams. So a lot of a lot of teams, I would imagine, have traded him in uh, after he's missed those three game, three or four games with uh, with the bruised heel. Um, so yeah, buddy, we, we know he's up and down. We, we know he's got that super high ceiling and also that, uh, that very low floor there, low score of 48 this season, um, break even of 103 coming up this week. So, you know, a a fair chance to, to crack that, uh, crack that, 
um, mark there. Um, but he's shot down another 33k this week. So if you're going to jump on him, I think this week is the week. Having said that, uh, John Longmire did come out today and say that they are still managing his heel. He is not 100% right. So that might turn a few buyers off potentially. Yeah, and the fact that he's got 103 break-even means we can pretty much wait, um, see if he's bounced back this week or see if the heel actually will be a problem in the near future. So um, if he does score something huge like 110 plus, then he's only really going to make 5 or 6K. So not too worried about the price uh, on Buddy Franklin at the moment. And if he does score poorly, then it's a bullet avoided, that's for sure. So um, that's pretty much, that sums us up for that game. Stoddard uh, obviously debuted, not in the role that we expected. He was across defense in the JLT, put out a 90-plus score, I believe. Uh, Pistol will probably correct me on that in the Thursday podcast if I'm wrong. But uh, 35 in this one was more forward than anything. Uh, did kick a goal as well. So um, decent debut from Stoddart, but not one that I'll be waiting for in a couple of weeks. I think either he, he's in danger of getting dropped or uh, he'll just not have the ceiling for a rookie that we'd expect at this time of the season. Uh, we'll jump into the next game being Geelong versus Carlton, and we'll start off with Patrick Dangerfield, who by all accounts is back nicey. Yeah, absolutely. Jumped on Danger a couple of weeks ago when he was around the 600k mark. Um, so happy with his uh, 133. Got a bit greedy this week, JB. Saw the 133 from from Danger on the Saturday and decided to stick with uh, with Tommy Mitchell on the Sunday. Hoped he'd carve it up against the Eagles and uh, and didn't quite. So a few points missed out for me there. Time, yeah, got to got to remind myself to not get greedy. Um, <laughs> Very greedy. But yeah, Danger, Danger, fantastic again. Um, he's gone back-to-back hundreds now three times, uh, four times, in fact. Um, so four games over 100 for Danger. He's, he's back, and, and he's probably going to um, keep making money. He's got a uh, break-even of 120 this week. Um, so if he hits that, uh, he'll, be, he'll be getting back around that 650 mark pretty soon, I think. So jump on board Danger while you can. Yeah, exactly right. And he's got that three-round average around 130. So if there was ever a time to jump on him, if it wasn't a couple of weeks ago, it's definitely this week. So... Uh, hop on Dangerfield, he's still got a few rounds till his bye kicks in as well, so not too much stress about that. Menegola, 125 super coach this week, did score a couple more goals and is in very, very good form. I don't know what to expect. Menegola is a player that I can't really trust. He did score poorly when all the other midfielders were up and about, and both Selwood and Ablett did score below the 90 mark in this uh, game, which we don't expect to happen often, so I'm not too certain on Menegola. He's not one of those uh, forwards that I that I have a lot of trust in. Um, but we will move on to Zach Tui. Uh, nicely. So a very generous price on Tui at the moment. He's on eight, He's got 89 Supercoach points off the 17 disposals. Did put out a ton last week as well uh, by memory. And someone that people were looking to get in for around 400k. So very, very cheap. And if you're struggling to generate money and still have Sam Murray sitting there uh, getting donuts, then it's only a, a 65-odd K price uh, jump to Tui. What do you think? Yeah, another one we talked about on the pod uh, last week. He's uh, just bobbed up again um, with his score this week of 89. So, uh, yeah, Tui, we, as we talked about, he's sort of burned us a little bit last year with some inconsistent form here and there. But um, for the most, you can sort of expect him to be in that sort of 80 to 90 range. Um, and when he goes over 100, it's sort of a bonus. But I, I like the uh, the upgrade from from Sam Murray move there, JB. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair fair call um, going forward. 
yeah, and especially if you're really struggling with price, Tui isn't the mm. worst option. But I think I'd definitely prefer to get one of the the premium options like Webster into my side rather than uh, just settling for the the mediocrity that uh, a, a Tui can provide sometimes. So absolutely. Yeah, you got to put a lot of faith into him uh, to trade up to him as a premium option, that's for sure. But, you know, obviously could work out as he showed last week. So we'll move on to the next player being Tim Kelly. He scored 57 again this week. So another sub-60 score from Kelly, and he's going to plummet. So if you did not get rid of him last week, this week is almost a necessity. Yeah, Kelly's one that I've uh, hung on to, JB. He's uh, he's now dropped 30,000 in the last two weeks. Um that said, shouldn't drop much more than that if he pumps out some uh, some more good scores again. But um, yeah, Kelly's one that I had held on to in the hopes to to trade come by round. Um, but but what would you be doing uh, with Tim Kelly now? Well, personally, I'm trading him this week to someone like Patrick Cripps. And although it might be a little bit risky considering Cripps has his buy in a couple of weeks, I don't want Kelly to go down and Cripps to go up at the moment. Uh, if I had a little bit more money in the pocket and uh, didn't look so far ahead on my team and, and make trades four weeks in advance, be very specific as I can be. But um, if I didn't, then holding Kelly until Patrick Cripps has had his buy would probably be ideal. You'd maximize points that way, getting Kelly's uh, score in that first buy week. And I mean, if he scores well, then you're knocking out one of the one of the 18 rookies uh, that might have been in there. If he doesn't, then, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world. He's still going to be around the same price range if he puts out anything around the 80-plus the mark anyway. So um, that would be ideal, I think, waiting until after Crips is by, but I really need points at the moment, as I told you my rank at the start of the podcast, and uh, we'll be jumping on Crips uh, early. But yeah, as you said, Kelly he could easily turn around and score a couple of good scores and, and make money from this point anyway. So I don't think he's as desperate as everyone's thinking. He's, he's definitely in a down patch, but yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to, to turn it around. And I mean, he's, he still had a 30-point quarter amongst this game as well, so it doesn't bode well for the rest of his game. But you know, it's he's still got the scoring potential there when he's played in the midfield, so I wouldn't be too stressed. Um, I will mention JJ, Jermaine Jones, who scored 40. Um doesn't really have the the job security that would that would want from a rookie coming to the buy period. So someone that I'll be passing up on personally. Um, on the Carlton side of things, Cade Simpson scored 140 this week, had the 33 disposals, uh, a couple of free kicks for, and uh, just did Cade Simpson thing. So uh, racked up the pill behind the the players he usually does, and 140 is something that we haven't seen from him. Uh, since Dusty, uh, since Daisy moved into the back line with him and started taking some of those points. But um, this is the K. Simpson that we expect and one that we would probably want to trade in considering his price, Nicey. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd, we'd uh, written him off a couple of weeks ago, I think, as well. Uh, we thought he was a bit past his best, and or I certainly did anyway, and uh, and was sort of glad that I hadn't started him um, with a couple of low scores throughout uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. But he's uh, he's really bounced back into form and... Just having a look at his stats here, JB, he's still actually ranked first in total kicks across the competition for the season. So he's not uh, he's not having any trouble getting the ball as uh, as we like to see. So um, yeah, fantastic game again this weekend. Uh, only had the two clangers, which is which is good. Went at sixty nine percent disposal efficiency, which isn't isn't fantastic, but nothing nothing too drastic. Um, so yeah, Cade Simpson, another and yet another player that's uh, you know a potential, potentially elite and a pr- and a 
you know, proven elite in the past um, for sub 500k. Yeah, which is very cheap. So some of that will be looking to jump on, that's for sure. Uh, Matthew Cruiser came back with a 139. So he's a cheap ruck option, but I think it's safe to say that we can expect at least one more missed week from Cruiser between now and the end of the season. So you'd have to be a very risky man if you wanted to jump on him uh, as a ruck option, although he is very cheap. Um, other than that, there's not a whole lot going on in this Carlton team. Patrick Kerr had his second game, scored 56. Didn't score that well in the first game. I think his job security is okay, but not someone that I'd be really entrusting a, a spot with as a rookie player. And we'll pretty much, that'll move us on to the next game nicely. So we'll go to the GWS versus Essendon match. And up the top of the list of the GWS squad here is Heath Shaw with 149 Supercoach points. I think we've said it about a million times before on this podcast. The only issue with Shaw is we don't know what year of Shaw you're going to get, whether it be 2016 Shaw, which we got this week, or 2017 Shaw, which we've been getting a lot of during the season. So what are your thoughts on Heater as a point of difference, S&M premium? Backline premium. I know I've said it before, uh, JB, but I, I feel like Heath Shaw sort of had a similar year to, I guess, a Michael Hibbard in that it's they're not having terrible years. Hibbard's probably having a worse year than Shaw did last year, but it's their starting price that has, has really... Um, it's been the problem and, and been the been the issue that uh, that many super coach um, players or coaches have had uh, in that they've paid big for them at the start of the season and then they've just underperformed. But just having a look at Shaw's year this year, um, he's actually not having that bad of a season, really. He's averaging, uh, what's he averaging, 93. Um, so he's not doing too badly. He's really only had the one bad game with a score of 54 in round nine, um, throw in a couple of scores of 69 and a 75 back in rounds three and four. But other than that, he's hit the ton three times, which is probably not quite uh, what we want for a, for a um, fallen premium defender. But if you manage to squeeze Heath Shaw into a maybe a mid five uh, sorry defender five or six position uh, I think you'd I think you'd definitely take that and he's at 448,000 so he's another one I probably I probably like him a little bit more than Tui I think um, just because we know that um, Shaw can go those high scores um, 149 this week so I'd I'd be taking the gamble if I had to choose between Shaw and Tui might sound crazy, but I think I'd take the gamble on Heath Shaw. <laughs> no, I tend to agree. I think you're right. Uh, Heath Shaw has obviously shown much higher ceiling than what Tui does and, and a little bit more consistency as well. So Heath Shaw would be the way I'd go there as well. But having said that, I'd probably avoid both uh, nine times out of ten. So um, yep. we'll move on to Stephen Coniglio, who was back to his best this week, put out a lazy 32 disposals with three marks, seven tackles and a goal. So back to what we were seeing at the very beginning of the season there. 495k has a low-ish break-even, one that it will definitely hit, but won't really punish you on the monetary side, of 70. And I think it's safe to say Josh Kelly coming in had a huge effect on Coniglio. Yeah, Coniglio good. Uh, as you said, back to his best. Uh, 14 kicks, 18 handballs, and, and definitely benefited from, benefited from Kelly being back in the side. Um, just having a look, actually, there, JB, at Kelly's ownership, still owned by 7% of, uh, of sides, so far, so obviously a lot of teams uh, chose to hold on to him um, across across the last few weeks that uh, that he hasn't been playing. What's your position on Kelly now at five hundred and seventy four thousand with a break even of one hundred and fifty four? 
Obviously, we know what he did last year. Is Kelly one that you're looking to, to bring into your side in or now or in a couple of weeks' time? Unfortunately, I'm one of those 7% that you speak of. Um, but if I didn't own Kelly, I would be absolutely licking my lips. He had 29 disposals in his return, four tackles, two behinds, and an out in the full as well, if I remember correctly. So he could have had an absolutely huge score coming off that injury. And only 55% disposal efficiency as well, off 70% time on ground, and scored 99. That is unbelievable. And he's going to be one of those players that averages 115 plus from next game onwards. I'm going to call it right here. If you trust that Kelly will go uninjured for the rest of the season, then after his buy, he's got two more price cycles to go before his buy. Um, he'll probably be perfect to to pick up. So um, you'll probably get him around that 540, 530-ish uh, K, or maybe even a little bit cheaper, depending on how he scores next week. But someone that I'd definitely be earmarking for my side if I didn't have him already. So we'll move on, and there's no one else really from this uh, GWS side. I think Giles Langdon is someone that we can uh, confidently cull this week if we need to. But onto the Essendon side, Devin Smith, 120, uh, just amazing, just a tackling machine. So 13 tackles, had countless amounts of pressure acts, and that just attributes to his 120. He could do what he did this game and only have 21 disposals. Uh, just the one goal as well, and still score 120 just due to his tackling pressure. So um, great player to have in your forward line and someone that I'd definitely uh, consider when upgrading in my forward line. And unfortunately, that almost does it for Essen as well. So Jordan Ridley, the last player to talk about here, 49 supercoach points, not quite what he was the last week. He had nine disposals, um, so that being, what, 16 less than his debut game. So... yeah. Almost in danger of uh, getting dropped, but hopefully it was the slightly less performing Matt D that that gets the flick and Ridley gets a bit more of a go. But if I was choosing between the St. Kilda's Rice and Essendon's Ridley, I'd definitely be choosing Rice. What about you? Mm. Yeah, no, Bailey Rice for me as well, JB. No-brainer. Just depends Mm -hmm. on if uh, if Hurley comes back into the side, I guess, this week. Might, uh, Might save Ridley. Yeah, definitely right. So... Well, on to the next game, and that's Hawthorne versus West Coast. The the two predatory birds go at it, and it's Tom Mitchell, 116 Supercoach points, getting back to his almost best. He was tagged pretty... I mean, I'm not sure if he was exactly uh, tagged very closely by, and I cannot even think of their tag. Mark Hutchings, that's right. Um, I'm not sure how close the tag was, but I know they were running with him a little bit whilst Tom Mitchell was trying to get to uh, Andrew Gaff, which obviously wasn't working for Hawthorne. But um, yeah, so Titchell was good again. 28 disposals, 10 tackles, uh, exactly what we expect to be his benchmark for the season. Um, And other than that, in the Hawthorne side, there's not a whole lot of people to talk about. We'll go down to Mitch Laws with the 22 Supercoach points. Uh, Not an option. (laughs) I think we can confidently say that. Not an option. Yep, write him off. Um, James Sisley put out 85, which is just solid, not great. He'll uh, stagnate in price a little bit for those looking to get him in, which I would definitely recommend doing so. Now, on the West Coast side of things, Andrew Gaff, as I just spoke of earlier, 135 Supercoach points off the 35 disposals kicked to goal as well. What are your thoughts on him as a point of difference as he's just consistent? He doesn't really let you down with low scores, but he hasn't really shown a, a huge ceiling to date. They do have that really favourable buy in round 12, though. 
No, absolutely, JB. Uh, you've been uh, been listening to my potties the last couple of weeks. I'm all about gaff. Um, <laughs> just, just just said uh, just said the other week how consistency how consistent he has been all year with only the one score below 100. That was still a 92 back in round one. Um, but the, yeah, the one concern that I that I did have was that he didn't have that high ceiling. Um, but he's he's proven me wrong this week with uh, with 135. And I really like his uh, his buy round there. So in in round twelve, so it might be one that I'm looking to bring in. As I as I was saying um, to Pistol last week on the podcast, that it's just consistency is key for me this year. And and uh, I'm just sick of these up and down scores. So if you're looking for a consistent super coach player, uh, Andrew Gaff is absolutely a man. Uh, ranked fifth in total kicks. Um, and second in uncontested possession, so he, he he gets the ball a lot in the out, um, and he's yeah just a just a machine, uh, super coach point machine. So uh, if he can if he can play have a few more games of that high ceiling, uh, he's definitely gonna gonna up in uh, up in his ownership. I think. <clears throat> yeah, definitely right. If he does put out another couple of one fifteen plus scores, you have to consider him. Uh, with that really good buy and the actually surprisingly lowish price range as well, 550, um, generally reserved for those scoring, uh, averaging 100 on the dot. So he's gone a touch over that, obviously. So um, a little bit of a bargain as well if you're looking to upgrade uh, to someone mm. like Gaff this week. So we will move on though to Elliot Yo, 100 super coach points, 28 disposals. Pretty much exactly what we expect. He's, I think he had about 14 at quarter time and then somehow got to about 32 at half time. People were getting worried. And then he just did an Elliot Yo type things in the second half and carried his team to victory. So he's, I think he's definitely their most talented player at the moment and is scoring like it, playing predominantly in the midfield. And I mean, 16 contested possessions is just what he does. It's That's definitely his game mode um, and he'll keep scoring well for the rest of the season. So an obvious essential in the defense and that'll pretty much summarize that game we'll move on to the next one being demons versus uh no one okay they versus no one here so they won by 99 points oh no that's not right 89 points yeah sure um sorry my math is shot here is it 89 help me out nicey 146 to 55 91 yeah oh no more numbers for tonight with us <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll jump into this one. Jesse Hogan put out a 123, was sensational, 20 disposals, 11 marks. Nothing much can be said about him other than the fact that he's a, a very sneaky point of difference and is someone that would definitely have his ups and downs, but his ups are very high. And if Melbourne keep playing the way they are, then I can expect him to average 90-plus quite convincingly for the rest of the season. So um, someone to definitely look at. And... Someone that I didn't think I'd be advising for is Andrew Brayshaw. Nice. I know you love this guy. I don't know if you do, but I'm going to say that you do. What are your thoughts on Andy Brayshaw from Melbourne? Obviously around that... Oh, sorry, it's Angus. I'm an idiot. Angus, Angus. Yeah. See, oh, that's not even a number and I stuff that one up, but... That's not even a number and I stuff that one up. That's not even a number and I stuff that one up. Angus Brayshaw, he's actually risen 100k so far this year, so... Definitely at a higher price point, but does have that defensive midfield eligibility. And four out of sorry, three out of four tons in the last uh, month. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, three out of four tons. I was just just about to say he's uh, he's stringing together some good form. I'm not sure previous form would warrant him having a selection in your side, but with a break even of 19, he's going to make you some cash. Melbourne have got some good games coming up in. Uh, the Bulldogs, Collingwood, and your mob, Port Adelaide, followed by St Kilda. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I don't mind Brayshaw as an option, but a very risky POD. Um, but, you know, if his form continues and he showed us that uh, that he can pump out a score of 130 this week, um, projected to, to rise in value by another 30k this week. So it's, it's probably not worth jumping on him, but um, might, might be a sneaky POD if you don't have someone like, say, Clayton Oliver in your midfield, um, uh, just for, for when the buy rounds do hit. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a bit of a question. So, out of Heathshaw, Zach Tui, and Angus Brayshaw, where are your where do your allegiances lie? There. Good question. Current form, Angus Brayshaw. Yep. Um, obviously that uh, DPP status does weigh in his favour as well. Definitely. Um, Long term form, as in this season, probably Heathshaw. Yeah, I tend to agree. Heathshaw obviously being a safer option, but Angus more of a pun. And look, like we said earlier, if you're struggling for cash and you have to look in that price range, there are some actually uh, decent and juicy options. So uh, something to think about. Absolutely. Since and I can't believe we're sure. advocating Heathshaw either. No, I don't think I am really. I think I'm trying no. not to, but <laughs> yeah. also talking no. about him at the same time. So absolutely. <laughs> um, so Tim Smith in this one, 101 super coach points, did kick a couple of goals, 19 disposals, six marks, six tackles, doing exactly what he needs to do to stay in that team. And he will stay in that team as long as his form dictates. So um, someone that obviously everyone's going to be looking to for a downgrade option, and they should be as well. So... Definitely the safest downgrade option, and there's I can't say a bad thing about him other than his job Absolutely. security being a little bit shaky, but all he has to do yeah. is, is emulate his form thus far. So. Well, all he has to do is line up next week, and we trade him into our sides. He's got a break-even of 100, uh, sorry, negative 118, um, and he's projected to rise in value by almost 80K this week, and that Brilliant. will obviously look to continue. So um, absolutely bring him in. Might be a good downgrade option um, from, from maybe a fritch, would you think? Um, JB, or, or are you hanging on to Fritch? Uh, definitely hanging on to Fritch for another couple of weeks, but um, someone like Spargo has only got a couple of weeks left in him, or maybe one or two. Fritch might have a month left in him, so um, if I had Spargo sitting on the bench there and didn't want to downgrade any of my other options like uh, Wilfie, who's got a decent break-even as well, um, mm. etc., and also didn't want to ruin my uh, buy structure, obviously trading Wilfie down wouldn't do that, but um, then yes, yeah, selling Spargo for someone like Smith wouldn't really phase me too much. So, um, yeah. yeah, definitely not fussed with that. If you want to beat the buyers and beat that round fourteen buy, then even trading Ronk early wouldn't phase me too much either because he's made obviously a lot of money. His break even's up in the forty. So, um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to think about with Smith, but I think he's definitely an essential player to get in this week. So. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Oliver, who scored a 98. His second sub-ton, I think he scored 99 last week. Um, he did break that finger, which we weren't aware of a couple of weeks ago until we saw him run out with the glove. I think he's scoring well, considering he did have a very good game uh, possession-wise, had 31 disposals, 10 tackles. So um was very unlucky, probably, not to crack the ton, but um, also didn't use the ball all too well. So... Um, I think he's just building. If he's scoring 98s and that's his floor, then I'm pretty happy having him in my side. So um, something to look forward to for those who don't have him because he'll bottom out just around his buy as well. So um, that pretty much summarizes the Melbourne Demons. Obviously, we spoke about Spargo. He'll be a consistent 60 scorer. 
um, and you can pretty much downgrade him whenever you want from now on. He's not going to make a bunch more cash. Uh, Fritsch, on the other hand, is uh, traveling very well and will get close enough to a forward premium to not cost you too much money. So we'll move on to the Adelaide team and Duda scoring 104. If you held him, congratulations. Give yourself a pat on the back. If you did not, <laughs> then you'd be pretty upset unless you did what I did and traded in Jake Lloyd, which I'm not too upset with. Um, and then we move down to Matt Crouch. So this is a player that a lot of people put their faith in uh, a few weeks ago and grabbed him after his hamstring injury um, for a very cheap price. He hasn't exactly set the world on fire. He actually lost no. a K this week in his price at 520, so not exactly ideal, but still, he's one of the most consistent performers in the competition. And if he can get a couple of games uh, going consistently and with this uh, good form that he can show and did show at the end of the last year, then he's still a sneaky option to look at if you aren't full premium around that round 14 buy. Yeah, agree, JB. Having said that, just looking at his form form line here, he's, he's missed a lot of games with that hammy. It was, it was a hammy, wasn't it? Uh, yes, back in, yeah. in round two that he did. Yeah. Um, he was actually one that I started with, so I won't be bringing him back into my side. Um, I think there's some, some safer options, and we know the Crouch brothers are, are quite injury-prone would just be a shame if he didn't uh, end up replicating his form of last year in the back half of this season. But um, like you said, it hasn't set the world on fire, but with a score of uh, of um, 100 this week um, right on, I think uh, he, you know, he's probably going to probably going to drop again this week, break even up 125. I don't don't see him quite getting that. Um, they play Essendon, Richmond, and St Kilda in the next three weeks. So monitor Crouch if he comes comes out and and starts scoring sort of a couple of 120 pluses in a row um he might be one to look at but but for me i'd err on the side of caution with crouch um just just because we know he's so injury prone at the moment and probably not not quite 100 percent right yet yeah and the problem with crouch is that he hasn't been showing the ceiling that he did show at the end of last year so um uninjured he's got 105 100 122 92 and 100 so just the one sub-time with the, the floor being 92 against Port. And other than that, the only thing keeping his price down was the 50 against Richmond, in which he did that hamstring injury. So um, it, we just have to see him dominate a game, and then we should be jumping right on him. I mean, they got flogged by Melbourne, and he still cracked a ton. So if they were the ones doing the flogging, he would have scored somewhere around that 120 mark. He obviously had 34 disposals. So... Um, yeah, I think Crouch is very close to exploding, and if I had him in my team, I wouldn't be too stressed at all. So, uh, Rory yeah. Laird just did Rory Laird things. Uh, had the had the the thirty disposals as well. So, just a typical game from Rory, and um, that pretty much does it for for the uh, uh, for the Crows team. Um, we'll move on to Fremantle versus North Melbourne, and. Um, Nat Fife. I mean, there's just not much we have to say. In fact, I'm not even going to ask you about him. Nat Fife uh, scored 163. He was tagged by Ben Jacobs. Uh, he had 24 disposals whilst directly matched up with Jacobs. First player this season to get any more than 20. And he's just amazing. Um, I don't think he's taggable. I think he's captainable or vice-captainable every single week, especially this week Absolutely. with Collingwood on the horizon. And if you don't have him in your team, you're, I mean, I think 60-odd uh, percent do, but if you're one of those 30-odd percent, then I'd be moving heaven and earth to get him in uh, in at 
before, around, after, during his buy, it doesn't matter. Just get Nat Fife in your team ASAP. Now, the player I do want to discuss uh, with you, Nicey, is Michael Walters. Had 146 this week, 27 disposals, bagged a couple of goals, and has absolutely plummeted in price due to that knee injury. He suffered a few, uh, oh, about a month ago now. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on him now bottoming out and showing that he's obviously got the, the ceiling and even consistency to average 100-plus uh, in our forward line? Well, as we were talking about before, the, the potty JB, I think uh, you've absolutely sold me on Michael Walters. Um, 419K now um, after his massive score this week of 146. So I think he's absolutely sold. I think he's the perfect um, upgrade option if you've still got Jack Billings. Um, you're not wasting too much cash there. Um, but, he, yeah, Walters is just flying. And if he stays fit, um, obviously his average is brought down by that uh, that injury in round six um, that cost him a score of 17 uh, and then saw him miss a couple of weeks. So Walters is absolutely uh, on my radar, and I think I'm probably going to bring him in this week for Jack Billings. Yeah, and doing the move for Jack Billings to Walters, A, doesn't cost you that much money. And B, doesn't yep. change your buy structure at all. So I think it's a bit exactly. of a no-brainer if you do have Billings. Maybe uh, trading someone down to Smith and then someone else up to Walters would be perfect. Um, and it's just now and ever. His break-even is down at 24. If he turns up this week, he's skyrocketing in price and you won't see him that cheap again ever. So um, very, very good for those getting in, Walters. For those that already own him, I mean, I credit your patience for holding him through that injury, and I do mm. offer my condolences for every team in, uh, well, yeah, every team in the world pretty much having him after this week. So um, we'll move on to a point of difference in Luke Ryan in defense there. 136, and it quite simply put here, he scores well when he's in Perth and can put out a blunder when he's not. So he's had a couple of bad scores this year, but when he scores well, he scores really well. And when I say point of difference, I, I really mean it. So um, someone that's definitely been on my radar, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. He's he's only 500K, and his break-even's rather low, so he will rise in price. Yeah, absolutely. I think he would have been one... It was one that we were sort of talking about at the start of the year, and he was the same sort of price bracket. Um, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the same sort of price bracket as uh, Alex Witherden from Brisbane. Uh, really impressed us last year, um, but was just priced at an awkward sort of 400K at the start of the year, 400, 400 plus. Um, so if you had him prior to this, well done. Um, but probably at 500K, probably not someone would be looking to jump on now. Low score of 51 for the year. Um, back in round four, that was. But he's since gone um, the last three weeks, had three scores over 120. Um, so you're probably going to be buying him at his highest price now. Um, I wouldn't be jumping on him just yet. Um, I... I just think he's probably if you've missed the boat on him, you've you've uh, yeah, not not one to go. I think there's some going to be some better options there. Break even of forty four. If you are going to go him, go him this week because he's he's going to probably level out at about the five hundred and thirty k k mark. So he's probably set to rise for a week or two um, with uh, with these three good scores in a row. But then he'll sort of level out around that sort of score. So not one that you'd be rushing to get in. Yeah, so a three-round average of 130 is almost unseen amongst defenders. He's obviously got that ceiling that um, is almost second to none amongst any other defenders out there. So he's definitely unique 
uh, in that instance. But he has, uh, before these three weeks in a row of huge scores, he started the season well with uh, 104 average after three rounds. And then um, scored a 51, 92, 85, and 61 between rounds four and seven. So he obviously does have down patches, um, a couple of those being away games as well, which we are concerned with, 61 at the MCG. Um, Other than that, though, I think he's a good point of difference option. I think he's someone that you could look to if you want to avoid getting the Websters and the, the other players. I mean, there's obviously a lot of risk um, to go with every player out there, it's just mm. whichever risk you, you want to avoid more than others. Someone might have a good feeling about Ryan and a bad feeling about Webster, and I've got no issue with you picking Ryan over Webster f- for almost that reason alone. But yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think they'll both be in the mix for the, the top defenders if they if they play their best football. And um, yeah, it's only Ryan's inconsistencies that you've got to worry about, whereas Webster, oh, probably a bad example because he's a jet, but yeah, you know what I mean. Um <laughs> And that pretty much does us. Um, that sums that, it up. Yeah, sums up the, the round perfectly, I think. Oh, I will mention that Sean Higgins did score 92 supercoach points after being uh, recklessly attacked by Banfield all game. <laughs> uh, Banfield wouldn't leave him alone, followed him home after the game as well, just to make sure he, he knew that he was still in his pocket. But did put out 92, uh, considering he's the greatest of all time. A couple of behinds as well, so... I uh, really wanted Fremantle to think they were still in the game, sort of gave him a chance as a nice guy like that. So if he had been trying and did kick one of those two behinds as a goal, then he would have scored the ton and I wouldn't have to donate to the Cancer Council. So um, something that I'm definitely happy to do, of course, but um, just, you know, next time put one through the big sticks, Johnny. Thank you. Um, we've all mentioned the two donations that came to us during the week, uh, Donut for Donuts in full effect here. So Daniel, uh, with his donation, thank you very much, donated for Donuts in round 10. And Reese Lowe, uh, also donating for Donuts. He said, Caulfield, Keith, and Murphy all in the back line. Got to put one on field. Got some major issues in defense. So I think he's... Is one of probably many that had major issues. I was forced to double downgrade in defence due to these all these outs that we experienced. And um, we do appreciate the the love from the, the two guys uh, donating to a great cause in the the Cancer Council. So link will obviously be in the description of the the Facebook post and on SoundCloud in that description as well. If you experience donuts during the buy rounds, then will be um, it, look, any amount you want to pledge, whether it be one cent, one dollar. Uh, $10, $100, $1,000, $1 million, whatever it is. Uh, it goes to a great cause. Obviously, none of it comes to us, um, and it's just something that we've been pushing for many seasons now nicely and, and something that we all like to get around ourselves as well. Absolutely, absolutely. My man, Nat Fife, uh, not doing it for us this week with 163, but... Um, <laughs> That's the weakest donate for, for the Cancer Council I've ever, <laughs> ever heard. Nat Fife to not turn up, guys. So has he done it yet this season? Yeah, I, I well, I pledged after round one when he scored the uh, the 75, so... Uh, <laughs> he started he's, poorly, he's yet, but he's yet to yet to come through, but maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll have to jump on a more, more of a point of difference play for the second half of the year, I think. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, I haven't even heard Pistols yet. Has he... Has he got one yet? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's a bit selfish like that, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, finish up there. Uh, we'll obviously look to the, the Thursday podcast for all your ins and outs. Um, it was great talking to you nicely. Uh, we're obviously on all the, the SoundClouds, the Facebooks, the iTunes. Obviously, you know that as you're listening to us right now. And uh, we'll chat soon, mate. Have a good round. <laughs>